Outdoor adventure won't wait for engine problems. Things like hard starts, rough performance, and lost fuel economy are often caused by fuel gum and varnish buildup. Seafoam can help your engine run better and last longer. Simply pour a can in your gas tank. Hunters and anglers rely on seafoam to keep their engines running the way it should the entire season. Pick up a can of seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit seafoamworks.com to learn more. There's nothing like snook hook sets at dawn or catching a tarpon in the moonlight. Find your next fishing trip made easy on fishingbooker.com and experience the magic of the Sunshine State or any other destination on your fishing bucket list. Book a blue water adventure in search of sailfish or go snapper fishing with the kids. With over 6,000 captains and trips to choose from, planning your next one just got a whole lot easier. Download the Fishing Booker app on the Google Play or App Store or visit them online at fishingbooker.com to book your trip today. Are your wiper blades chattering, skipping, or squeaking? Don't let streaks or smearing on your windshield compromise your visibility. When it's time to replace your wiper blades, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts and see our selection. Our professional parts people will even install your new wiper blades while you wait. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Welcome back to another episode of Cutting the Distance Podcast. I'm Dirk Durham and my co-host, Jason Phelps. Hey, thanks for having me again. This is a common, I'm a, a common guest for you. Yeah, uncommonly common. <laughs> I think it's the low-hanging fruit. You're not, you're not digging deep for experts on the subject matter. We just happened to be hunting together the last two couple weeks and you're like, hey, I'll get I'll get Phelps on there. It'll be easy. But I, I claim, definitely uh, do not claim to be an expert on uh, the subject today. I don't know. You've kind of been saying <laughs> all week about what a whitetail expert you were. <laughs> you might have a little bit, a little bit braggadocious about it. But uh, anyway. <laughs> we're in Kansas, whitetail hunting. Um, it's, we got here November 14th and tomorrow's the 22nd and we're wrapping things up heading home. It's been a crazy week. And, uh, we, last year we were here, um, about a week earlier and I feel like we've seen different activity every day as far as deer movement. Um, so the, one of the biggest factors that's different this year though, besides the time is also the weather we're having. It's it's been hot. Like when we first got here, I think we had three days that it the highs were in the seventies, um, and in the mornings it was probably in the forties. So you had to dress kind of warm for the mornings, but then by the time you were getting ready to get out of the stand to go to lunch, uh, you're probably trying to shed some layers. Yeah, it was it was unseasonably hot. We came from last year um, teens, the low twenties. You know, high pressure all the time, north winds, which uh, they claim around here, you know, for the same temperature, you got some moisture in them, tend to be cooler. Um, Coming to this year, we're, I want to hunt in shorts and a t-shirt. I don't want to be out, you know, it is hot in the middle of the day, but then you had to start off with those 40 degree days. So 
um, very contrasting weather. We show up very hot to start the hunt, and um, you know we'll we'll get into it a little bit more about how you couple that weather with our um, our our timing with the rut. You know, last year we were here ten days earlier. This year we're here um, ten days later. Kind of seemed to hit that peak rut lockdown phase, and all of that added together with some of the other issues, you know, drought and EHD we're going to talk about a little bit at the end of this. It, it rolled up to see less deer moving, less deer in general, um, perceived less deer, you know, all of those things, which made for longer days in the stand a little bit more of a, I don't want to say frustrating hunt. It's still hunting. I have a, I have a blast just watching the woods wake up and squirrels doing their, you know, whatever it is. But in the end, you really want to see, you know, deer and, and, and hopefully get a chance at, at big deer chase and be a completely different weather when we showed up here. Yeah. And in fact, like of the first evening, Dusty and I sat in the stand, then uh, I had these big, heavy fleece coveralls, uh, bibs and uh, jacket. And man, I, I took the jacket off. I unzipped the, unzipped the, the bibs clear to my ankles. And Dusty's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. That's way too much skin for, for this close c- <laughs> contact in a blind. <laughs> but um, it was that hot, man. I was going to die if I didn't. Um, con- contrast to the year before, we couldn't hardly put off, uh, put yeah. on enough clothes. Um, I had some new bibs that didn't get shipped to my house in time. I had my had to have my wife send them here um, about the day we were heading back. They got here about the same day we were heading back, so I was kind of cold in the blind last year. So, yeah, yeah, it seemed like moon phase too didn't really seem to call, come into play at all. It, it was kind of a darker moon all week. Yep. You get kind of a little sliver, you know. A lot of people hinge everything they do on a moon phase, but. Um, I feel like that's a pretty good moon phase for deer movement. Uh, they weren't up all night, you know, partying. Yeah, no, no, it, it seemed to, we didn't really notice that. Um, you know, the other thing, moon phase is we drive around, go to dinner. You know, you can, if it was affecting it, you'd see more deer in the fields. It just seemed it's kind of be a real consistent number. So I wouldn't, um, from what we've seen versus trail cameras that we're able to check, like all that added up to the moon phase really didn't, you know, drastically uh, impact the hunt, I would say for sure. Yeah. In our stands, they were they were more set up for for like the feeding pattern, you know, for maybe pre rut or post rut, but not like that peak rut time. So, um, and the reason is we have a shooter and a and a cameraman, so you have to have two people, and and it's kind of limited. It's kind of hard to. You know, we're not on a guided hunt or anything. We're just hunting at a friend's house, and he had some stands he had hung before, and but it's it'd be a lot of work and hard to hard to get additional stands set up. Um, and some of those travel corridors and places like that where we might've seen a little more deer movement. Um, but we didn't, we weren't really set up for, for a two guy setup. Yep. So, um, next year or next time, I don't know if we'll draw the tag yep. again, but next time we're definitely going to, um, come prepared with maybe some tree saddles for yeah. the camera guys. And then they can just pitch up a, up a tree wherever and, um, and, and be more mobile that yeah. way. I'm stoked. We, Randy seemed to be real excited on, uh, you know, next spring, if we can draw a turkey tag, it sounds like we're going to have to draw a dang turkey tag now in yeah, Kansas where you used to yeah. just be able to buy one. So that's a little wrench. But Randy seemed really excited to uh, um, work when we're here next spring on the turkey hunt, if we can draw to, like, go. He wants to kind of almost like a re-inventory of stands, pull down stands that he doesn't hunt anymore, figure out what he's got, and then really look at some some rut stand placement, you know, really come down to the pitch points. Now that he's, he's owned the properties for more than 20 years, he's really got it dialed in compared to some of his old stands that he doesn't hunt. And so it'll be exciting to be a part of that where I feel like 
right now we show up and just hunt what he already has put together where if we can be somewhat a part of that or help him make decisions you know he's even been asking us yeah now don't get me wrong randy knows his deer better than anybody does but for us to get to sit and stands for days at a time um and, and say you know hey i think these deer these deer want to come down this ridge they're traveling over there they're hanging out there i think if we set a stand there we could get shots at some of these more mature bucks like to, to have a little bit of input on some stand placement will be way more rewarding to come back and hunt those and you know like you said next time whether it is next year um or the following year um i think that'll be like a cool little aspect right now we're just uh we just show up and hunt the stands that randy already has placed versus to have a little in, input will be will be a blast and i think it'll just be exciting especially if we do end up coming back in the rut to be able to um like we we needed to be tighter to bedding we needed to be down in those pinch points, travel corridors, um, where a lot of these stands were set up. Um, you know, Randy Randy says it all the time. You ask him, he's like, I kill my deer earlier, I kill my deer late. I don't typically play that that peak rut because things are so unpredictable. Um, but I, I don't know. I think if we do, we do show up, it'd be fun to have a chance to just, you know, witness that or, or be in an area to take advantage of that that crazy time. No, oh, yeah, absolutely. That's a, and that's half the fun, or a, mo, a lot of the fun is just is doing the off season work. You know, I, I have so much fun, you know, for doing that with elk, uh, trying to figure them out in the summertime. You know, putting cameras out and doing all the all the work. Um, I think you know, identifying those places here, coming back in the springtime, putting up stands, clearing out some shooting lanes, doing doing all those things, and then coming back and getting to hunt those stands. I mean, that'd be so rewarding. Um, so much fun. And it's just like, you know, then you feel like you got more skin in the game too. And, and, yep. you know, and then you feel like, you know, it's like, man, Randy, he's got to do all this work by himself. And I kind of feel like a jerk showing up here, you know, just you yep, know, yep. reaping the fruits of his labor. Right. So, oh, yeah. Um, I think it'd be awesome if we could come out and, and help do some of those things. And oh, yeah. just, and, just to help him clean, I don't say clean up, but, you know, he's got ladder stands kind of scattered all over and this lock on here and um, just to help, you know, it's a lot of work to get some of these stands it's into some of, of these areas. Like just to put in some sweat equity of like, hey, Randy, we'll go in, grab that stand or we'll grab, take this stand down, um, you know, just, just to help and, and then have a little bit of input, I think would be, it, it, it's part of that, that um, you know, pre-work that, that goes into to making the hunt so much fun and enjoyable and, and being in the right spot or on the X. Yeah. Yeah, and, and if you got three or four guys doing the work, it's way easier than just one or two. Yeah, I mean that's that's a lot of work. Yeah, I mean you, I don't know, I, and I don't know if Randy like the amount of property he has and how many stands. Like it's it's a lot of work to manage the, the property that Randy has, and so I'd love to be able to give back a little bit and help him um, if we can. Yeah, absolutely. Just to kind of like talk a little bit more about the kind of deer there is here, you know. Randy manages property um, for mature bucks, right? So he doesn't say, all right, guys, you can only shoot a 170-inch buck. He doesn't talk about that. He's like, I just want you guys to um, shoot mature bucks. So we don't want to shoot like three-and-a-half-year-old deer. Um, he's like, I, I really love you guys to shoot like a five-and-a-half-year-old deer, So, yep. we're, which kind of creates a little – it makes it a little bit tougher when, when deer come into the stand because immediately, you know, you're assessing – you know, a, a, a four and a half year old deer can have a pretty nice rack. And a lot of times they could be on that borderline of like in a year or two, that's going to be a giant. Yep. So 
He just really wants us to kind of look, you know, assess the body. You know, does it have a barrel chest? Does it have a, a saggy belly? Does it have a sway back? Does it have a big beefy head? Looks like a moo cow. You know, all these little things um, to identify to make sure it's a, a mature deer um, before you squeeze the trigger. So that creates a little bit of an issue because a lot of times these bucks, you know, they're coming in um, and they're looking for does. And a lot of these stands, you know, they're set up in a food plot or there, there's maybe some, some corn or something there set out to draw does in. So these, the bucks come in, look for does. They're not going to come over and eat any corn, but they're just mostly keen in for does. So they'll come in and here's my, my experience. They'll come and they won't expose themselves a hundred percent. So you don't have a shot when they come in and pause and they'll kind of look and they'll look for a doe and then they scan the area real quick. And then the first couple times this happened to me, I'd be like, all right, okay, check out his body. Look at this, look at that. Should I shoot him? Should I not shoot him? And by the time I've decided I was going to shoot him, he's already moved out. He's gone. The opportunity, if there would have been one, is has gone. So um, what I had to end up start doing is like, as soon as I would see one, I would draw my bow back and then I would start really start picking him apart, looking at him and trying to make that decision um, whether or not I would want to shoot him. And then sometimes... Even then, you it was it was tough. So it's, it's it was kind of you know these fleeting opportunities. You have to be quick on the draw, and you have to you know he has to walk in the right spot for you to shoot one out of a out of a blind or even a tree. Yep. Yeah. We the same thing. Um, one thing I've realized is ranging on flat ground. You know, if you are in a food plot, most of them are flat. Like. You might think that deer is two steps behind, but he's eight yards off. You know, like I it it messed with my mind. I hated everything about that because you you've got fifty landmarks out there. You know, this tuft of grass is thirty eight, mm-hmm. and this low spot is fifty. But you would think that something that was two feet behind it is you know is only it's not. It's and so I had a heck of a time um, trying to judge those um, shooting out of a tree stand for me seems to be a lot easier. I've got freedom of movement. Um, they don't seem to be looking at me up there as much. I can get away with more. These ground blinds, I swear, these now these redneck type blinds or these elevated ground blinds that he, we've got spread out through. We're not in them all the time, but but they're spread out throughout the property. I swear, they know you're in there. The second they are in like visible range, those dang deer know that something's in there. They know the windows open. Something like they're just not right. Um, you know, from the time that they walk out, but. Um, so you add that with the ability of your, you know, these chairs, they, no matter how quiet you try to get them, they squeak. Um, they do. So it's like everything I'm, I'm a nervous wreck in there. Like, I don't know if I can move. I don't know if I can blink. I don't know if I can grab my binoculars. <laughs> you add all that into like what Dirk just said, these bucks aren't the, now there may be feed at some of these locations. They don't, they don't care about that. The only reason they're there because the feed brings in some does at times. And so they're, they're scent checking, but those deer are scent checking. If they don't smell anything within three or four seconds, five, 10 seconds, they're out and you don't ever have a possibility. And so yeah. you couple all this with, can I move? Can I range this thing fast enough? Can I get my bow drawn? Um, shooting out of a blind is, uh, doesn't seem to be the easiest thing to do. One thing I kind of watched those bucks do this week is, um, They'd come by the, let's say there's a corn pile there. They come by there. They're looking for does. They buy, They don't even walk up to the corn pile. No. They bypass it. So they're not even getting caught on camera, on the trail camera. And then I watched them like kind of pause out there and then they'd scoop up a few little acorns um, 
and eat those and munch on those like on the way. It's almost like they just kind of snack along as they go yep. instead of like going to the corn pile. I don't, I don't know if they just don't yep. like it no. or if it just, it's too much of a hindrance. They, they just don't yeah. want to slow down and eat. But I did have some little bucks come in and eat corn. So you just, you never know, I yeah. guess. Yeah, those big bucks just, they, a lot of times what we see them do is they will cruise the entire timber patch on the downwind side of where that corn may be. You know, they're going to run that entire length or stretch or however they can wind check that the fastest and most efficient, and then they're they're not stopping to eat corn. Right. Um, they may go check on it visually, like you said, just check on it. Are there does there? If not, if they can't wind check it, then they're out. Right. And that wind, the wind is, is a huge thing. So us Western hunters, um, we have our thermals that we, we hunt off of, but back here in the Midwest – it's so flat, you know, um, if you have an Eastern wind pretty, you can almost pretty much guarantee that everywhere on your property, you're going to have an Eastern wind, yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, unless you get down over into some little, little coolies and creeks and some bluffs and it may make things kind of swirl a little bit. But, um, so that, that's another level of like, okay, you have to consider where you're going to, which stand you're going to sit in. Maybe you've got some really big bucks on this stand that you've been seeing on trail camera, but the wind's wrong and you can't hunt it. Yep. And so rather than blow, go in there and hunt it and blow them out of there, then you're looking at other stands that maybe not be quite as ideal, but still do have deer on them. But um, let's face it, you're not going to just sit it back at camp, yeah. <laughs> sit on the on the couch and watch TV all day because you don't have a perfect wind. You'll just go hunt the stands that you can have a perfect wind for that particular stand. Yep. And there's... Like we, we come out here limited days, you know, you got seven days to hunt. You're going to be in a stand every day, every morning, every night, if not a full day sit. And so you, you got to be out there. And one thing that, that was different than last year, the majority of the winds we got were north, which is a preferred wind here. Um, this year, I think, I don't know, we got what every day besides the last day and a half. And maybe we had one day, like the third day, right? We had a north wind. Everything else has been out of the south, which. Not that Randy doesn't have great south stands, but I would say the majority of his stands are set up for a north wind, and we just so it required us to hunt some some stands that maybe um, they're still good, but they're not as good as some of his north stands that he'd prefer to have us in while we're here. Right, and I think that's just kind of how the the woods kind of lay out and deer movement lays out too, to where they're going to move into their preferred areas, um, and that north wind is going to be to our benefit. And if it ain't that north wind, then then it's going to be the deer's benefit. Um, like for instance, this morning, um, was it definitely a different morning than yesterday? Yesterday we had more of an East wind. This morning was a North, North, Northwest wind. And the deer were definitely moving different in that little block of woods. Um, they were skirting along that, that South end of the woods, um, kind of like in a fringe area, you, you kind of transition from a, um, from a hardwood stand into like kind of some scrubby pasture land. Um, so they are walking right down along that edge uh, and they can scent check that whole stand of woods just by walking that line. Um, yesterday, they couldn't have done that. They'd had, to, they'd had to move differently. And you can tell just by today where they came in, how they, how they moved through there, then that north wind, it was just money. Yep. Yep. High pressure north wind seemed to get everything we needed tonight and the, the deer deer moved right. Um, they were more comfortable moving in that, um, coming off of that low pressure and that little storm system. Definitely what I seen as well on where I was at. Yeah. We've all seen plenty of gadgets and fads come and go, but here's one product that stood the test of time. Seafoam motor treatment. 
Lots of hunters and anglers know that seafoam helps engines run better and last longer. It's really simple. When you pour it in your gas tank, seafoam cleans harmful fuel deposits that cause engine problems. I'm talking common stuff like hard starts, rough engine performance, or lost fuel economy. Seafoam is an easy way to prevent or overcome these problems. Just pour a can in your gas tank and let it clean your fuel system. You probably know someone who has used a can of seafoam to get their truck or boat going again. People everywhere rely on seafoam to keep their trucks, boats, and small engines running the way that they should the entire season. Help your engine run better and last longer, pick up a can of seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit seafoamworks.com to learn more. O'Reilly Auto Parts are in the business of keeping your car on the road. O'Reilly Auto Parts offer friendly, helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs. If you're confused about what part you need, like what wipers are going to be the best, what replacement headlights are going to be the best, go into O'Reilly and talk to the people that work there because they're great and they're super friendly and they'll get you squared away where you walk out knowing you got the right thing. They've got thousands of parts and accessories in stock, either in-store or online, so you never have to worry if you're in a jam. Do you need your windshield wipers replaced? you need a brake light fixed? you need some quick service? They'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop for help. The professional parts people at O'Reilly Auto Parts are your one-stop shop for all things auto do-it-yourself and you can find what you need in-store or online. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit us at O'ReillyAuto.com slash meat eater. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash meat eater. You ever get that feeling you're stuck inside staring at screens and a primal urge kicks in? You crave wide open spaces, fresh air, the chance to connect with the land? Well, maybe it's time to find your own piece of the wild, but searching for property can be a maze. That's where land.com comes in. They got millions of listings across the country, from mountain ranches to hidden fishing holes. Their search tools are like a seasoned guide helping you narrow down what you want. Land.com isn't just about buying and selling. It's about finding a place to hunt, fish, explore, or simply sit by a campfire and listen to the crickets. So head over to land.com today to turn one day into today because trust me there's nothing quite like the feeling of standing on your own piece of earth so this morning was pretty overcast cold uh pretty windy and then the winds picked up even more this afternoon and then it turned off bright skies cleared off cleared off real nice still a little bit of wind but you these deer here in Kansas kind of like a little bit of wind, yeah. 10 to 15 mile yep. an hour winds. They seem to be comfortable with it. Yep. Yeah. And, you know, we hunted here last year, Chris Parrish, Randy, like them Kansas deer, they love their wind. Um, you know, they don't want to hunt on a five mile an hour wind day. They want to hunt on a 10 to 15. And the, the deer here, they're used to the wind. They're comfortable with it. Um, coming out of the north seem, seems to be, you know, just what you need as a hunter. covers up some more of your sound, um, makes you a little more comfortable. So it's like the perfect perfect wind it seems like here yeah so once things cleared off this afternoon we got in our stands what happened in your stand so we get there about one last night of the hunt um you look at your watch you're like all right i've got four hours and 15 minutes to sit here like last last hurrah um get started pretty slow um we're greeted to start with by a group of about 10 turkeys from our left um end up having about 30 turkeys come in from behind us to our right 
Um, if that wasn't enough, then the group of 10 long beards all showed up. So we ended up with about 50 or 60 turkeys in our, our food plot right off the bat. It sounds like, uh, like that scene off Anchorman when uh, Ron Burgundy gets jumped by the, the, the night news team and then pretty <laughs> soon the, the public broadcasting news team and then the, the Hispanic um, broadcasting news team, and they all had their big gang fight. It seems like that's <laughs> kind of like what was going on with the turkeys. Yeah, so the, the one group of hens, so you don't want the hens out there when the deer come in a lot of times. We've just found out sometimes, I don't know why, um, the deer don't want to put up with the turkeys out there. The turkeys kind of little bossy run the field, flap their wings at them, get close, kind of run them off. So yeah, we kind of stick our face out the blinds and wave our hats and make some weird noises, and we got all of them out of the field. So, all right, we're ready to deer hunt now. Heck with these turkeys. Um, we'll hunt them in April. Um, we have a little doe come in, same trail we walked on. She gets behind her stand. For some reason, she doesn't cut out into the – we're sitting on a freshly planted food plot. I think it's got oats out there. So real, real low, um, just sitting on a food plot. Um, comes behind us, wins us. I'm like, well, that wasn't ideal. She's supposed to come out in front of us. Like, we have great wind for this food plot. Um, then we're greeted by what uh, one of the one of the bucks we knew was in the area. Um, he comes out at about 80, 70 to 80 yards um, out to my left and doesn't. He's chasing. He's just running these ridges. He has no intention of slowing up. He's gone. He leaves the field at about 100 yards and um, sit there for another 20 minutes. You're just like, come on, like shadows are hitting the field like deer should be moving now um we got a little micro eight point show up so for um anybody back west and it depends on where you're at out west where i'm from i would call it a three point with eye guards dirk would count the eye guards and call it a four point and i will call it eastern count a micro eight point so very small like 12 inch year and a half old deer maybe good genetics but um, he walks out a little more nervously kind of gets gets down to where that butt cross and he follows him. So maybe a hot doe went through there earlier. Uh, maybe just their, their travel route out. So we're sitting there uh, waiting and uh, Dave, Dave kind of jokingly says next year comes out. It'll be the shooter. I'm like, yeah, right. Uh, hey, no. What are the chances of that? Just, you know, it'll be a doe and then maybe he'll come out later. So we're sitting there. Um, maybe 20 minutes goes by. It's about four 30 I'm sitting in the blind, and, and if you haven't set in these redneck blinds before, you've got an archery window kind of in the corner, an archery window in the corner, and then you've got what I would consider like a gun window in the middle. Um, so I sit in the left side of the blind because as a right-handed shooter, I can shoot out the right window. I can shoot out the front, and then if I needed to, I can kind of lean forward and shoot out the window to my left. But as I'm sitting in my chair, I don't have much visibility out of this archery window to my left. Um, that's kind of Dave's window. I'm but I can hear something coming at about 4.30. To my left, I'm close to it. I'm like, Dave, something's out my window. Um, he kind of, We're kind of sitting there looking, and all of a sudden the doe kind of squirts out, so we both see her at the same time. Like, well, there's a doe. Um, not thinking there's a buck. Like, she just ran out the field. She's ready to eat and be excited to be there. And then Dave, he, I don't remember exactly what he says, but he does not, um, he doesn't, convince me that it's a shooter buck he makes something he's like he's right there or something to that effect like there's a buck obviously but i don't know what it is um and then in all my genius um getting the getting the blind set up i've knocked my arrow and set it down on the gun holder that takes up the majority or it's sitting right next to that front left window where i need to go grab my bow so i'm in a position where i've just got to like let this thing walk out i can't reach for my bow i'm going to scare it before we get started 
Um, as soon as he flashes through that window, though, I'm like, oh, it's a shooter. It's a good nine, you know, mature buck. Easily identify him four and a half plus, maybe older, but I'm going to guess four and a half, five and a half max. Um, but a good, good nine point buck. I want to shoot it. Um, Randy'd be happy for me to shoot this buck. That doe that squirted out to our left, she, there, we've got a little island of brush out in front of us. So you got like a clear lane down your left, a clear lane out to your right, and then you've got this. Um, Randy had left a, a pile of brush in the middle of his um, food plot. The doe kind of zigzags her way through that and pops out on the other side while the buck kind of slowly picks up, follows her. Well, she doesn't like her, him following her, so she comes back through the brush to where she just came. That should put him at about 15 yards. Well, she comes at me and then winds right in front of the, she comes kind of a diagonal towards me to my left. She gets there and then winds out. Well, he's grunting the whole way, coming right back, following her. So while he's in this brush pile, it's the perfect time for me to draw silently. I'm drawn, looking out my left window, and uh, that buck comes around the corner at like 15, but he's moving too fast. You know, there's, there's no, I don't want to shoot a frontal. Um, he's going to fall the doe in front of our blind and he gets to a, He's at like 12 yards right now, right? Um, and, and these blinds, I think the one I'm in is maybe a 10 or 12 foot elevated mm-hmm. platform, not real tall. Some of them are 15. Um, some of them even go up to 20, but I'm just in a 10 or 12, which is actually helps in this situation where I've got to try to shoot down at this deer. So I'm already at full draw. I put my, my pin at 20 right where I want to hit, and I'm just kind of getting ready to, to is he's broadside right in front of the blind? And I just happened to glance down at my arrow, and I'm like, oh, boy, my arrow is just going to blow out the side of Randy's fiberglass blind, right? Like, the arrow is not going to make it through where my pin says it's going to hit. Right. So I I don't panic, but I quickly need to, like, stand up or sit up as tall as you can in your seat. I need to get that extra two or three inches out of my torso, you know? I go to lift my bow up. Not to add to the situation, I bump my stabilizer on the little gun shelf that sticks out about two inches from the window. Um, a pro tip, maybe if you're a Western hunter and you think these long 10-inch stabilizers are great, maybe in a, a whitetail blind, you switch to a four-inch stabilizer. I don't know. I'm but, thinking a, our 34-inch bows could be a little shorter. Yeah. I mean, they, you're, it's just everything. My 32-inch my arrow is a pain in the butt until you get your <laughs> bow drawn. Like, everything is tight. But I drill the 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 platform that's in front of this window, the, the little shelf. I don't know why the buck didn't care, but I drill it, and he doesn't even pick his head up, skip a beat, nothing. He was in love. So me, quickly, now panicking worse because the, the buck is continually getting more quartered away, right, as he goes right. from my left to my right. I pull my bow back at full draw, lift up an extra inch, and then come back forward. Um, as I get my bow forward, he's still at a, at a shootable range, He's slowly walking. Um, I settled my 20 in and, and hit him. Um, quartered away pretty good, but but had perfect chance of hitting both lungs and, and pretty, hit the arrow right where I needed to. Um, fortunately, watched him um, trot across the field. I could see where my exit was perfect in the pocket. My entry had foam coming out of it. Um, we were able to watch a buck within a minute go over and bed down and expire. So, uh, yeah, last minute of the last night, um, it, I, it's so cliche to say, but it's like, it's just time in the saddle. Um, you know, it just goes to show that white tail, and I don't claim to be an expert. You hear a lot of the, the pros talk about it. It's just time in the saddle, either that and picking your weather and, and being at the right place at the right time. So, um, super, super lucky. And, uh, 
that was right. I was texting you guys that I had shot one right before your night was just getting going, and I felt it was a little bit late, but your night was just kind of getting started. Yeah, we hadn't really seen a lot um, up until that point, but uh, we had this buck that we spotted more kind of scrape along the edge of the field and um, along the, the fence row there, and he had a pretty bad limp, you know. He, he was a mature buck. His rack wasn't real big, but... Um, we'd seen him before and Randy's like, yeah, Hey, if you get a chance to shoot that thing, you should take him out because with him limping and stuff like that, he may not make the winner. So, um, we had to do that buck a favor. So that, that buck actually comes in and there's a feeder there. Um, and there's a little, a little button buck feed eating corn out of this feeder and this this bigger buck, he starts coming in. And then the last minute before, you know, he's about 50 yards out from the feeder. Then he makes this wide berth and he gets out in the standing corn. And then he comes in at a straight angle to this feeder and he gets pretty close. And all of a sudden he gets jumpy and spooky. Well, at that very moment, I was putting tension on my string, getting ready to draw because he needed to take like two more steps and I was going to have a shot. Well, I don't know why he spooked because he spooked. He was like looking towards that other little deer or that direction, which was away from us. And he almost had his nose in the air like he was smelling something. And I don't know if he smelled like he thought that little buck was a, a doe and that, that kind of freaked him out. Or maybe there was a coyote in the, you know, over in the, in the corn somewhere that we couldn't see. But he, he kind of freaked out and he, and he took off. And we're down to the wire there. You know, we're the last 30 minutes of light. Um, and I was just like, oh no. And I was super deflated. Like, man, I, I don't know if I'm going to get a buck. Um, we only have 30 minutes left now that now the odds are really stacked against us. So we watched him kind of walk off and about that time the phone started buzzing. Well, during that whole episode, the phone was buzzing. The first message I look at, it's a message from Randy. Um, and he's got a trail cam picture and he says, man, I feel bad. I bet Dirks would be sad. I feel bad for him. And where we, where Dusty and I have been sitting for a day and a half on this other blind, then there's this big old, big old eight, eight point buck that we'd been kind of seeing off and on all week. And we were just hoping, you know, to get a, a crack at him. And as soon as we move from that blind, that buck shows up. Uh, would have been a perfect 20 yard shot. We did, we did, we did nailed him. Um, so then <laughs> that was like insult to injury. I was like, oh man, I'm like, you know, what's the chances, you know, that it, if it's going to happen to anybody, it'll be me. Right. So then I'm looking at my other message. I'm like, oh, oh, great. Jason shot at elk. Oh, good for him. No, <laughs> or, no oh, did I say elk? Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Good. Yeah. He shot a buck. Good for him. But I was actually pretty pumped for him. I was like, that's good. So one of us needed to draw some blood. <laughs> it's been, you know, kind of a tough hunt, not to complain, but it's, a, it's been a tough hunt. Yeah. And so I was just kind of sitting there licking my wounds a little bit, thinking, well, this is how the, you know, the 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 hunt ends, you know, watching the pretty sunset fade away and the, the gray light was getting pretty long. And and I catch this, the shape of a deer up at the end of this field, I pull out my binoculars. I'm like, holy cow, Dusty. I said, there's a giant buck walking across. And he's walking along this fence row about, I don't know, almost almost 200 yards away. He's kind of walking along real slow. And I'm just like, I, I have to do something to get this buck to come our way because he's not coming our direction whatsoever. 
there's nothing that's going to lead him here. So I pick up my grunt call and I start blasting on that grunt call. Just burr, burr, burr. And I, I, I think I blast him like four or five big, long, aggressive grunts. And he stops and looks at us. And then he just starts walking again on the same path he was walking. I was like, oh man, that didn't work. So I have a, a doe bleat as well. So I start hammering on that thing. And I, I don't know if I'm doing it right. I don't know if I'm doing it wrong. At this point, it's just an act of desperation. So I was blowing on that thing really loud because he's a couple couple hundred yards away. So I start blowing on in. It's like, and it was almost like, like a, a, a doe in distress that's been injured or something, you know, making that god-awful noise they make. And he didn't, he didn't even look our way. I'm like, man, that didn't work either. And then all of a sudden, it's like when somebody starts steering a boat, he just start, started, gradually starts turning our direction, and he turns, turn, turns, and now he's walking right towards us. I'm like, holy cow, here he comes, Dusty. Here he comes. I got to get ready. And this thing's coming through this cornfield, and it's kind of, you know, it's not like the corn you picture, you see that, that really, like, really tall stalks that are, you know, 10 feet tall and, and bright green. This is you know, a little more of a scabby patch of corn, you know, you can see through it in, in a lot of it. So we can watch him come most of the way and he comes and, uh, there's a, there's a swath cut through that corn. Um, and he walks into that swath and he's about 50 yards. And, and right then I could have, I could have stopped him, but I thought, well, he may take the same path as that other buck. He may smell that buck's tracks and maybe, maybe come over towards us. So I, I don't want to shoot. I don't want to stop him there. He's at 50 yards. I'd rather have a, a closer shot. So I don't stop him. He crosses through that swath and gets back in the corn again. And then I can tell by his route, he's not going to come our direction. So at that point, I draw my bow and then I stop him. You know, give him a few of those and he stops and I shoot and I see my lighted knock fly I'm like, it's, oh, it's in there. It's in there. And then I'm like, I don't think it's in there. And he kind of runs off and kind of trotted off. Didn't act like he was hit. And he kind of walks over the edge of the field, stops, looks at us. I'm like, shoot, I don't think he's hit. So I check him with binoculars. I don't see no, no blood or, you know, holes in him. So I start, I start grunting again. And he just kind of walks a little ways and then starts, he stops and starts licking a branch. Like there's a scrape there. I'm like, Oh yeah, he's definitely <laughs> yeah, not hurting. Def- he's gonna start making he's a fine. scrape here, and he messed around there for a minute, and then just kind of slowly walked off into the sunset. And he's a beautiful eight point, like a monster. Like would have been my biggest whitetail by far. Um, yeah, it, it kind of hurt a little bit. I mean, <laughs> my heart's broken, and yeah. and I don't, I don't know if I'm I'm gonna ever recuperate from it. Yeah, that sucks. But uh, I will say, um, those both those deer tonight. Both of them, even the first one, it, my, I thought my heart was going to leap out of my chest. It was pounding so hard. I, I think it was way more of a, an adrenaline rush or way more um, exciting than when I have a bull elk come in. I guess I'm kind of used to, you know, calling an elk for so many years and these white tails with a bow is so, so new to me. Um, I was definitely, I really had to like try to control myself because I was kind of <laughs> freaking out a little bit. Yeah. 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 My buck drew first blood on me. I got so excited that as I went to full draw, I ended up with the bloody nose just dripping down my face as I was trying to hold all that mess together. And uh, yeah, it, I I don't keep my I don't keep 
myself together very well. I don't know if it's because the element of surprise or, you know, you're working an elk. So you're like in constant communication. And so it's like a slow buildup or a slower buildup versus like you went from seeing nothing to all of a sudden the shooter buck and you got to try to figure it out. Um, yeah, it, it's, it's a different, it's tough. Yeah, it's a, like a, almost a different anticipation for me. Yeah, it's just yeah. like, what? Yeah. I don't know. I've kind of like it. I have to struggle really hard to yeah. like make sure I keep my crap together. But for sure. Remind yourself to breathe. Yeah. Well, after this hunt, um, what do you what do you think? What's 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 your takeaways? Man, uh, you know, last year I think we maybe had it too good. I was like, oh, this stuff's pretty exciting. Like, you don't have to there's no mental game to this. You just jump in a tree and watch a deer all day and you'll shoot the one that you eventually want to, you know. But this year was a different tale. Um, a lot of hours go by without seeing a deer or having much action. Um, so it, yeah, it's definitely a mental game. Um, trying to keep your, trying to keep your head in the game, even though weather wasn't helping us out. Um, movement wasn't right. You know, the bucks were in the middle of the lockdown. Um, you know, they, they've had multiple years of drought, so their numbers are down a little bit. EHD, you know, all of this kind of playing in, um, don't get me wrong. They still have a great deer numbers and, and great deer on their, on Randy's property. You know, he, he's did a great job, but, um, it, it's tough. It's, it takes a lot of, uh, a lot of commitment and, and perseverance to just sit in that tree all day, stay alert, you know, you know, cause a lot of times, as we mentioned, you might only see those deer a few times and you need to react pretty quick. So no, it's tough. It's tough on a different level versus, you know, hiking all day, you know, in the Western country trying to you know, hunt deer elk versus, you know, whitetail, you got to have the, the mental to, to sit. And, and uh, one thing I'm excited to get to do next year is um, a lot of, a lot of what we get to reap the rewards of is, is Randy's work in the off season or him and his buddies work, you know, setting these stands, um, we're going to hopefully get to set some of these stands and make some make some decisions with them next year on, you know, where we've seen the deer move, where we think the deer are going to be, and and focus on these pitch points and kind of help him um, get some stands reorganized. So I'll be I'm excited to be a part of that because right now I just get to take advantage of where Randy's did all the research and set the stands and put all the work in where I'd love to put a little bit of sweat equity in. But yeah, my takeaway is it, it's it's. It's not physical by any means, but it's definitely like a mental um, stress that you're under all day, just trying to get through the day and, and stay alert and, and hunt hunt hard. Um, and by hunting hard, I don't mean hiking hills and sweating. I mean like staying awake, staying alert, and being ready when the time comes. Why did you like look at me funny when you said stay awake? Um, we were. I was trying to take the over under at times. Um, dust your cameraman. Um, he was giving me the odds. He was the odds maker. He say he was Vegas in this. Um, he said he was going to set the the betting line at forty sixty. So that means that's real close to where you were at sleep wise. You were asleep forty percent of the time and awake maybe sixty percent of the time. Wow, wow. I, I thought it was him that was sleeping all that that, that amount of time. <laughs> I was gonna I was gonna throw him under the bus for sleeping, but <laughs> no. I, actually, yeah, I have a hard time, man. If I if I sit very long, I man, I doze off, but it was good to have him there. Cause if I dozed off, he was just like, he was a deer spotter. Yeah, he was, he's like, Hey, there comes a deer. <laughs> <laughs> and I, then I wake up, like, I don't even know who my name is. I'm like, I'm looking around, like trying to what get my eyes to focus. On? Like, where am I? But, uh, no, it's nice to have him there. Um, yeah, but I agree. I, it's a, it's a, it's a definitely a mental game. You have to have, uh, the discipline to, to stay alert. Um, you know, move slowly, don't, you know, just because you're in a blind doesn't mean deer can't see you. They can still see you. And you just have to make slow movements, deliberate movements, glass, check every little spot over and over and over again. And that that's kind of the hard part. Like Western hiking, we, we get to see new views and vistas throughout the day as we hike. 
but uh, here it's just like the same old spots. And you get a little bit of wind, and you get a little bit of uh, leaves and stuff falling from the trees, and and pretty soon you're like, oh man, I saw a, a tail flicker, and yeah, it was just a leaf. Yep. <laughs> and, and you do that all day, and it it's it it can wear on you. I know the other night was that last night where we were sitting here and was like, man, I'm exhausted. Yep. It was it's Wears exhausting sometimes yep. to to do that. I guess if you're not used to it. Yep. But um, yeah, it, it was it was fun. And I can't wait till till um, we get to come back and help Randy, you know, rework a lot of his stands. He's got a lot of stands. He's like, you know, I'd like to just dig them out and replace them, and or not replace them, but reset them, them yeah. relocate them. You know, maybe you know, fine tune them a little bit. They're in a good spot, but maybe by moving them a hundred yards, now you're really in the spot yeah, where yeah. the deer are going to come yeah. by. Which we've kind of seen some of those places too, but. But that, like you say, it gives you some skin in the game, and and now we feel better about coming out and you know, yeah, yeah. accepting his hospitality. And, and I mean, we can't thank if Randy listens to this. I, he, we can't thank him enough. I don't know what we ever did to deserve uh, an invitation to come out here. I yep. mean, we've been out here hunting turkey hunting three times and deer hunting twice, and um, it's yeah, I'm just thankful. Yeah, beyond yeah, words. such a generous guy, just salt of the earth, one of the best guys. You know, you can be around, fun to be around, you know, knows a lot about hunting, knows a lot about his property, you know, managing the property, um, hard worker, you know, just one of those guys you like to be around. And, um, yeah, I don't know, like, you know, to, to echo your sentiment, like, I don't know what the heck we did to deserve to, to be here, but, um, you yeah, hopefully he keeps inviting us back and we yeah. can, I don't know how we're going to repay him, but, uh, maybe we'll move some stands and, uh, just, uh, I don't know. Like I say, I don't know what we did, but it's, it's a, it's a pleasure to, to get to come out to Kansas. I look forward to this trip every year. It's awesome. The place is managed to a T and, uh, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. And just the, in the, the area, um, I'd never spent really any time in Kansas before and I love it out here. It's, yeah. it's like, you're taking a, a step back in time, you know, um, these, this small town America and, and the people here are super nice and, yep. and it's just, man. Yeah. I wish it, more places could be like this. Yep. Good people. Everybody's your friend. Yeah. You go to the gas station, like everybody's asking how you're, it's just, yeah, wish, I wish a lot more places were like this. Yeah. Yeah. So. I love it. Yep. Well, I want to thank everybody for listening today. Um, if you guys have any questions that you want Phelps to answer or me to answer, just email us at ctd at phelpsgamecalls.com and we will do our best to re, re, uh, read your question on the air and, um, and answer it with whether it's Jason, myself, or maybe one of the guests sometime. Um, and if you know the super secret phone number, I should have looked it up so I could say it right now. But if you've heard some of the other um, episodes where I give out that number, um, call in and with your question. You can leave a, a detailed message uh, that's three minutes or less so the, the machine don't cut you off. And uh, we'll play your message on the line or on the air here and, uh, and, then, re- and then answer it to the best of our abilities. So anyway, thanks again for uh, um, coming on the show, Jason. Yeah, I mean, yeah thanks for having you me. Know, it's hard to get you on here. <laughs> <laughs> and thanks, everybody, for listening. Um, we'll catch you on the next show.
Outdoor adventure won't wait for engine problems. Things like hard starts, rough performance, and lost fuel economy are often caused by fuel gum and varnish buildup. Seafoam can help your engine run better and last longer. Simply pour a can in your gas tank. Hunters and anglers rely on seafoam to keep their engines running the way it should the entire season. Pick up a can of seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit seafoamworks.com to learn more. You ever get that feeling the walls closing in, the concrete jungle suffocating you? You crave some wide open spaces, the chance to connect with nature, maybe in a spot all your own. Well, head over to land.com. They've got ranches, forests, mountains, streams, you name it. Search by acreage. You can search by location. You can search by the kind of hunting and fishing you're dreaming of. Land.com. It is where the adventure begins.